Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you reach out to us, that you know us, you see us where we are, that you reach into our lives and you beckon us forth. Lord, I ask that you would especially bless all those we love, those that we care for, our family members, and others that live in our hearts. Lord, we ask that you would bless them with every good gift that you have in your heart to pour forth into their lives. Help us to have that expectant faith. Help us to be alert in faith, to pray with great confidence and even boldness that you would pour forth great blessings to show who you are as our Heavenly Father. And because of Jesus, you long to shower down great graces on our lives. Lord, do that today. Do it for those especially who are feeling particularly discouraged, alone, um, wounded, or beaten down by life circumstances. Encourage them today, Lord. Just lift them up and out of their broken circumstances and and their um, places of being overwhelmed. Bring peace, comfort, and consolation. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, Carrie, it's great to be with you here. Um, You've been back from Steubenville now for like three days, four days. Let's see, this is Tuesday. You got back on Saturday. You've just like talked about it all the time. Like anytime we're alone, you have like another story to tell. Sometimes you tell the same same story over over again. Who know? me? Can you imagine this that? This is not what you do on your radio show, right? It's yeah. all fresh. I new, never, never ever repeat a story. But uh it was it was a sign of I actually like to consider it a sign of of God. And what I mean by that is um God is uncontainable. And so one of the signs of godliness, one of the signs of God being present is this sense of being filled to overflowing, filled to overflowing. And um, that was kind of how you came back. You were filled to overflowing with anecdotes and stories. But underneath all of those things was, I would say, joy. Like you just had such joy. And it wasn't just joy that you had for yourself. It was like joy for Mary Catherine, our daughter that was like staying behind and, and entering in her journey of being a freshman. Um, I, I, it just, uh, it was sort of uncontainable. Well, I think part of it is we had several trips prior to me going with our anniversary and going to Seattle for the wedding for our goddaughter and being with all my family. So just logistics of finding places to stay and taking care of kids and different locales and um, just all the comings and goings of everything that that required. And then two birthdays in the midst of those few days. And then we come back here and the next day that night we're leaving. And so it was one more find a, you know, the reservations and the hotel and the car and where are we going? And just, it was just so cumbersome. And I just felt tired. Like, I don't even like, part of me was feeling like when this is all over, I'll be so glad because this just feels like a lot of work. And I wasn't really anticipating an experience or an encounter with faith to the extent that I did. I guess my expectations were really low. <laughs> so that's a good point. Just always have low expectations. But um, I think that it just surprised me how much peace and um, comfort I felt in leaving our daughter in the hands of that university and they are really good at conferences. I mean, that's what they're known for. And so the parent, new parent orientation was like a mini conference. It was a four-day event where not only were you bringing your child to school and all that that entailed, but you're also going to several talks, daily mass, um, evening um, celebrations or gatherings, um, you know, just depending on what it, what it was. And then they had the big gatherings, so they would just really st- steer you in the right direction and, and make you they feel had like general sessions and workshops. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dom. That's basically what they had. And then the evening is, what is it called? Some gathering. Yeah, the general at, session, right? At nighttime was yeah. like alumni gathering and legacy alumni. And um, and then they had gatherings for kids and the, and the students. So it was a real... They call them kids. So these are the college I students. Like, I was amazed when I looked at their schedule. Like they had small groups that started at 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I forget. And they oh, did some other event that like began at 11 at night. I know. And it's just like, wow, um, these are college kids. These are not us, uh, old adults. <laughs> We're old. Yeah. That was so interesting is Mary Catherine has 
called us a couple of times and said, oh, yeah, I'm up every night till 2 a.m. She's in a, it's uh, Louie and Liz. It's a boy-girl dorm. Guys are on one whole wing and the girls are on the other whole wing. And you don't, you're not allowed to go into each other's dorm spaces during the week. On the weekends, they have a few hours where you can go visit the guys' dorms, but the door always has to be open. And so, um, but in the middle of the dorm is a gathering space, like a game room, and then a huge um, like fireplace slash seating and pink, uh, like pool table. And then another floor is like um, the chapel. On another floor is the theater or like a movie room. And so they make it really easy for the kids to hang out till 2 a.m. I mean, it's it's like, how would you not? <laughs> and so she has just said that she's loving just meeting everyone and hanging out there. But um, just w- with regards to the freshman orientation and allowing parents to come, it was just really neat to see the care and the formation they did for parents. And some of this was probably the like a larger group of first-time parents dropping off their kids. Now, I don't know if COVID played into this because last year, even though it was a free, I don't know if you guys remember, but last year tuition was free for all the freshmen. For the first semester. And I don't know what kind of orientation they did, but this is the largest freshman class they've ever had. It's 500 and some kids. And it's, I think they said it's the first time there's more boys than girls. And it's the largest enrollment they've ever had at their university, which is like 3,400, including like graduate kids yeah and that's so fascinating when i think about that it's like why is that the case like that it's the largest enrollment that franciscans ever had um and i i I point back to some of the like the themes that we find so pressing in terms of parents who are just being they realize they have to be just that much more intentional about how they're shepherding their kids forward in life if they want to preserve their kids faith and that um something like the newman guide Right. So this Newman's guide to like authentic Catholic colleges where they track them. Right. So Franciscan University of Steubenville is in that. I think more intentional Catholic parents are leaning on that. And those colleges are filling up. I think you're right. I was looking at the National Student Clearinghouse. It gives stats. And they said that last year or spring of 2021 um, had a decline of like 5%. And like 600, over 600,000 students declined to go to college. And then they said that it was like a seven times larger decline than they've had like in the last, they've done it for like 15 years. And I'm like, well, that's not the case at Franciscan. And I was listening to another couple, their child's going to Benedictine. And they said they've had the largest enrollment this year. So you're right. I think there is a way in which parents are like, okay, it's not business as usual. This is where we're sending you. This is where we'll help you go. And that's it. <laughs> there are no other options. Right. Or the options are not like wherever you want to go, honey. Um, so I just thought that was really fascinating that as enrollment is declining across the country in colleges, even though the birth rate is maintaining, because I looked it up, <laughs> I was like, how many kids are born in 2003? It's maintaining. In, in the previous four years, it's been the highest. It was going up, up, up. So this is a big year, but um, I don't know why it's declining. But they said mostly in community colleges, which kind of makes sense. But Actually, that doesn't make sense to me because I think that so many parents are making decisions around saving money and using community colleges as the way to get the first or second year or first two years of college done to get all the core courses done less expensively. So I'm surprised at that. I guess it depends on what group community college draws. So maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know, but it was no. Just- that's a, that. That for me, that's very interesting. I think that um, one of the um, factors that I found so striking um, when you talked about going there was the way that the kids that were there for orientation, part of the orientation team, there were some really like insightful things they did to like clear away the obstacles and make the kids feel supported. Like when they got there, you talked about the um, the rugby team happened to be the team assigned to Mary Catherine's dorm. And so you pulled up with your car and all of her stuff. And here you got these big guys carrying all their stuff for you guys into her room. Like I, what, a, what a gift. I think that 
I would imagine a lot of schools do this. I've never been to a new like freshman orientation because I've only Mary Grace never went on to college like that. I guess it's what I've seen in the movies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, for the first day, Thursday, you arrive on campus and they have like different times for different, like alphabetically. So everyone doesn't arrive at the same time. So it's very organized. And then when you just pull up with like a couple of cars, we'll pull in at the same time. And then the driver stays in the car and mom gets out or dad gets out or whomever you're with to help unload everything. And then they put stickers and they, with the room number and off everything goes. And within 10 minutes, everything's up in front of your dorm, dorm room. And then we went and did a run. Because we had to fly there, we could not bring bedding or anything, like any furniture or any pillows or computers, anything really. It was just clothes. Mary Catherine had clothes and shoes. So we went to Costco and Ikea and Home Goods and did all the running around the rest of the day. And then we, and food, we got all that kind of good stuff. And then we brought that back and they brought all that stuff up too. So it was really cool and super organized with the headsets and, you know, kids all over the campus and cheering and welcoming and very kind and warm. I mean, they know that these are all these freshmen coming and it's a, a lot of them, it was the first time away from home. You could just sense there's a lot of tears when everyone say goodbye and there's a lot of crying and I thought, this is not their fourth kid. I mean, <laughs> your fourth kid, you're like kicking out the door. You're not even taking them to orientation. You're just like, you'll be fine. Go with your cousins. <laughs> um, but you could just sense that a lot of these parents, it was their first or oldest child they're sending away. And it was so sweet. But just to say that they organized the whole event where they had like 350 juniors and seniors come back four days early and prepare for all the um, freshmen and they broke up into teams like they had like um, the welcoming team, the hospitality team, the liturgy team, the activities, the prayer team, just a group of kids that just prayed the whole time, the logistics team. And so I know this because at the one of the evenings, they all got up and did like little skits and songs and dances, which is really cute. It's like you felt like you're at a conference for Steubenville Northwest or, Northwest or something. But um, the kids just really resonated kindness and warmth and welcoming and to the point where Mary Catherine's like I would really like to do this when I'm a junior and senior like I'd want to come back a few days early and just volunteer to be here to welcome the new kids in so it was really neat the other thing about the event that we went to or just the orientation is I was able to see a lot of people that I went to school with 30 years ago so it was like a reunion and I think that was a little stressful. <laughs> I never went back to my high school reunion. <laughs> so it was like a college reunion. Um, but I was so blessed that I think I mentioned this before on the radio. I don't know if we did. But my best friend from college was there um, helping her niece move in. And so she met us and helped drive me to get a few things and pick up the rental car and all that and go out to eat. And um, one evening we went over to, um, he's director of enrollment, and his wife um, was a very good friend and mentor to me. And she ran the athletic department. And so we got to go over there with several other couples and just hang out. And the neat thing about Franciscan is it's such, it's a very small town. So about five, it's a 0.5 mile drive. And a lot of the professors and a lot of the people that work there on staff live in this like five, six block neighborhood. And it's these old like stone or um, beautiful old like 1940 homes, but they need a lot of work. And so a lot of people in that neighborhood have been working on them. So he um, refurbished this house. They bought the house. Okay, this is just going to blow your mind if you're from Seattle. But we're into real estate. So I think it's funny. They bought the house for $60,000. And it was a darling house, but he had to gut it and renovate it and go down into the basement and do all this kind of securing just for the bank to give him a loan. And he said, even after we put like a hundred thousand into it, I cannot sell it because there's not a market in that town for these homes because the the economy there is so poor and so broken. It's just the you know we talk about places like just can't keep a house on the market for more than three days and multiple offers and it's you know going up five, ten, twenty percent a month in some places. Here it just feels like it's flat and there's not a lot of growth and it's stagnant, I would say. So it's neat because if you're going to go buy a house there or live there, they can, you know, they can pay their teachers a a good salary, but they also, it's affordable. It's very, the affordability level is really high. But um, just being there and 
seeing where some of the professors lived and you could go down the street and she's like, oh, there's where so-and-so lives and there's where so-and-so lives. And it was just really cool. But um, being with some of the people that I went to school with and just reminiscing and enjoying them and seeing that many of them had like all their kids go through or go back there was just like so encouraging to us since it's our first. Yeah, that's really powerful, Carrie. Uh, we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern along with my wife, Carrie. And Carrie's sharing a couple of stories about her time dropping off Mary Catherine, our freshman at the Franciscan University of Steubenville. Even though she's our third child, it's the first one who's taking the more traditional path that we had kind of just imagined for all of our kids is that they go through high school and then they go right off to college, a four-year college, living away from home. And how it's suitable, it fits her, right? Just the, the other two paths that the other two have taken have sort of fit their lives. And this one fits hers. Um, but it's interesting the impacts it's having on her and on our family. Um, the first is, I, I just want to share a cute little um, video. So Mary Catherine started to make some friends. And so far, it just seems to be fitting very beautifully with our hopes and dreams that she'll be just dropped into the midst of a bunch of other Mary Catherines, a bunch of other, you know, girls who um, grew up in Catholic homes, maybe, you know, intentional Catholic families and and who have an expectation to live um, a life of Catholic faith while they're there. Um, in a lot of ways, kind of like what she experienced at the Chesterton Academy, you know, just wonderful families and and so many blessings and and so she, she sent a couple of videos and, and a couple of messages to our little group chat. Are you going to play these? I want to, well, I want to play the, just the one video. Okay. She's in the Franciscan University bookstore, and she is and standing in front of, the video is going to start, she's standing in front of a very big um, shelving, shelves full of holy medals of saints. So let me play this video real quickly here. Oh my gosh, I don't know why I'm shaking so much. There's a multitude of holy medals. If you just want, just give me any saint. Just give me any saint. I give you any holy medal, bro. Literally anything, any saint card, bro. I got you. There's also, ooh, rosies. Yes, sir. And there's also all these scapulars, bro. I got you. I got, I got everything for you. All of this, all of those, dude. If you need anything, just let me know. <laughs> That's the video that our freshman in college is sending back to. I got you, bro. She's so generous. She's going to spend all her money on every all the holy cards to send them back. And we're in a group chat with my mom, all the kids. And so they're just being very funny with her. And it is true. Like you go into their bookstore and it, it's like a very catholic bookstore like i don't know how many bookstores on college campuses have like every saint medal every holy card every scapular rosaries just scapulars <laughs> prayer just, cards well we saw several kids wearing you know not just one medal but like 10 i was like oh these guys remind me of john mark and every just so many of them had their scapulars on and you just it was just really sweet it was so sweet so what they do though i, I see the thing that was so cool about this tom is I don't know how you drop your your first child off and just help them unpack and get their dorm set up and then you have like a barbecue and then you leave. that Or, you know, have a mass and then you leave. Like, well, what are they doing all day? Or how are they involved in life? And how do they get to know people? And how is their integration if they're shy or they're an introvert? Or how do they get involved with, like, what are the activities on campus? And what do you do to help them be formed? And I just think that the university spent so much time and care helping parents feel very comfortable and confident and just full of hope for their children that are being dropped off, allowing four days of just this unfolding of their life there on the campus. And I wasn't there for all four days. I left um, halfway during Saturday, so I missed like 24 hours. But they went from... They had like breakouts for, the, they have a whole campus in Austria. So they wanted to show you all about that because that's something that most of the kids will do in, in the sophomore year. And then they like had leadership development, how we want to help your kids become entrepreneurs and leaders or ministry evangelization and outreach. And this is how we help the kids with this or resident life and households. And they go into, 
So I told Mary Catherine, I go, I think there's sororities there, because when I was there, they had sororities and fraternities, the Greek system. But I guess they don't have that anymore, and I don't know when they got rid of it. <laughs> it's probably a good thing. But um, they now have households, which is very unique to that campus, and it's something they really pride themselves in. And what it is is you you grow together with a group of women or a group of men. You choose, uh, if you're a female, of course, you choose the girl household, and you go and visit these different households over the course of the first couple of months. It's kind of like joining a sorority, but it's not at all. <laughs> it's more about growing in your like sisterhood. And so they um, have like 20 or 18 maybe girl households, and then like same with the guys. And you know where these households came from, the concept? No, Tom. Um, they came from um, Catholic charismatic renewal. So, really? Yeah, in, in covenant communities, in the charismatic renewal. So a covenant community was a more intentional way for Catholic families, and, and sometimes they were ecumenical, Catholic families who said, we feel a call to live out our faith even more intentionally and intensively than we can by just staying where we're at. And so covenant communities were um, a way for these families to commit to live their lives together. So you have whole families like moving into neighborhoods or moving across the country to, to be part of this covenant where they make this agreement that says we're going to commit our lives together. And so oftentimes it's families married couples and, okay. and their kids. And so the men would be part of groups, the women oh, would be part it. of groups, and then they would have Lord's Day celebrations, and then they would have gatherings like once or twice a month for teaching and formation. Well, they said that the like, households, they commit to a life together and they come up with a covenant. And it's kind of, and for Franciscan, it's a home away from home. It's for you to grow with sisters and yeah, have accountability. Okay, so, okay, you used a word, sister. So the households were that subset of the covenant community for single young adults. So if you're single, you're over 18, you're not in a family anymore, let's say you're not living with your family. So they would discern a call to live with other single young adult women or men. And they would make a short-term commitment to live in a household. And as part of that, they would share their lives together. So they would do things like, okay, let's schedule out our meals. Let's get up and do prayer time. Let's do sharing. And so we would go deeper to support, encourage, and hold each other accountable. They'd be teaching on how do you actually live together as brother and sister in these different apartments. And that's what I lived in, right? I lived yes. in a men's household after I left the seminary. And it was even more intensive than seminary community. For because sure. Because it was more intentional. And it was, the, the reality was, that you're discerning whether the Lord is calling you to be a brother to these other men. And, and that was the idea that you choose your friends, you don't choose your brothers. They're given to you by God. And so the idea is, are you discerning that God is calling you to walk with these other men as brothers to grow in holiness together? Mm -hmm. And so that, as you know, Father Michael Scanlon had a rich background in the charismatic renewal and in covenant communities. And so he took that concept and applied it to Franciscan University. Okay, Greek system that might exist over there. Let's start households. And you have, as you you know when you were there, how many of those kids, your, your fellow students, were coming from covenant communities. And so there was a natural way that that would be a confidence raiser for parents sending their kids there, knowing that their their kids would be able to share in some kind of community life as, with sisters or brothers. Well, I think we should talk about this a little bit because it is the heart or it is the unifying aspect of that campus where your kids don't just get dropped off and get lost if they decide to join one. And most kids are do join them. Or just like stay in a crowd, right? They, they're called out of the crowd into that kind of intentional relationship. Yes. So like some of the guy ones, this is, do you know the name? Do you remember the name of your household when you were? We in? didn't have a name. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they have like Acceptance with Joy, Apprentices of St. Joseph, Beloved First Truth, um, Brotherhood of St. Francis, Brothers of the Eternal Song, Corpus Christi, Defenders of Purity. I, I went and read the Defenders of Purity. They're like this intense group and they're like, so they write their covenant and they say, 
We, the defenders of purity, recognize a great spiritual battle of our time as an attack on innocence, love, and friendship on the purity of men and women. Our goal is to come together as a brotherhood to conquer sin and grow in virtue with fortitude forged with prayer and fraternity and with meekness and humility. Purity can be attained through these pillars of those three things. And then they go on and say like how they're going to live it out. They also have another one called the Guardians of the Divine Will. And these guys are like intense... We are missionaries seeking to renew, fortify, and boldly contend for true masculinity in our world today by consecrating every situation in our daily lives to God's will. We seek to offer ourselves to Him as pure men of God, continually discerning His will for us in order to bring the light of Christ. Our goal is the, the, the following the example of Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, Blessed Pope John Paul II, and St. John Bosco. We vow to offer our daily circumstances, talents, and abilities for God's glory in the modern world, following Christ. And it goes on and on. It's so adorable, though, because then they go into how they live this out, like what their goal is. And so typically it's like... And again, this is like 18 to 21-year-olds. Yeah. Right? <laughs> They're how so cool cute. Is that? I think that is so awesome. But you've only read the men's ones. I want to. Like, oh, what? Are we, you know what? I don't. Doesn't know. it feel good sending our daughter <laughs> onto that kind of campus with all these guys? There's Line of Judah, Living Stones, Acceptance with Joy, Beloved First Truth. I mean, these are the different um, guy ones, and so they desire to live, and so that that purity and that holiness, and so they go to this group like daily prayer, morning and evening prayer. Daily sacrifice. And you read daily some p- of what they were doing. They're doing like, like the liturgy what? of the hours, morning and evening prayer. They're doing a daily rosary, <laughs> daily mass, regular adoration. I guess if you're and a like girl and you want your sharing of life, if you like, have a daughter and you want your daughter to find a good husband, you could probably send them there, and that's the best bet. Or you know, one of these good Catholic schools. But this is actually unique. So they have a, a head coordinator, and these are volunteers from the community there who work and, and minister and, and walk alongside them. They do t- retreats like twice a year, and then they do mission. Um, I was in Periclesis household. And so part of it is you get into a small share group, and you're accountable to three or four other women, girls. And um, you just share, like, what's going on in life? What are, you, what are you happy about? What is good? What is hard? You know, last week you shared about something you're struggling with in this area. How's that going for you? And do you, you know what can we pray for you about? So it just allows for sharing and for intimacy and for accountability and for sisterhood. And it just made being away from school have and, and being in this time in your life have a focus of it's not about me and my career and my job and um, finding the right guy. That was a lot of it. <laughs> it was really about growing in your faith and growing closer to God and, and growing closer to the Heavenly Father. And just to see the number of kids involved in these kind of ministries and these kind of households just was so encouraging. You know, I think about that, Carrie, and I think about the way in which you have shared with me throughout our 27 years of marriage the um, importance of community. Um, You have always valued so much um, this idea, this concept of having sisters in Christ whether that took the form of us being part of a marriage group, um, which we were for like 10 years, um, or whether it was you saying, I, I really ache for sisters in Christ. Um, you were blessed to have some blood sisters who were also women of faith uh, and your mom. And I still share with them. I like today talk to three of them and I still feel like we share a very deep heartfelt level but I feel sad for women or men who don't have that. And being ho- over here in Spokane, I really want physical closeness. Like I desire to look someone in the eyes. And and our family's growing up here now. So I want to grow with other families in that way and just be accountable and share God's goodness and the trials and the struggles. I mean, it's hard. Don't get, get me wrong. Sometimes I feel very like, oh, this is hard to be vulnerable. It's hard to share and not know how I'm going to be received or to be honest and then feel like, okay, now they know that this is an area where I need help. And and then to be there for them in a self-giving way, like, I got you. I got you. What medal do you need? <laughs> I got you, bro. I got you, sis. Um, but that is that is communion. That really is what it's about. You know, we can get back to this, but when I, we came, when I came home Saturday, Sunday, we had our family meeting and to get it started, I just said, hey, let's just do happy saddies. Because I was filling out like a schedule and trying to write stuff on a whiteboard. And 
Um, I was bugging you, Tom, lead this. <laughs> Come on, keep it going. Get it going. Do something. We need to move this move, me- meeting along because it's going to go kind of long. And so I just, in the background, heard the kids say, I'm just thankful that I got to go to the wedding. I'm thankful for Bethany and Joe. And I'm really sad that I missed out on some event. Do you remember what some of them were? That I don't remember, but it was it was very factual. It was just, it was matter of fact. It was just and sort silly. of like kind of silly and just sort of check the box. Yeah, like um, I'm, I'm thankful for Alaska. <laughs> the, dog. the dog yeah <laughs> and again folks uh, we've done family meetings for years and years right family meetings are our way to stay organized and to put points of focus that we want our kids to be working on to um to realize you know look this is what's coming up this week so there, there's a lot of pragmatic aspects to a family meeting but there are also some um, ideals that we're raising before them that also show up in a family meeting. So again, it's something that we've encouraged folks to do for, well, for many, many years, especially when you have a lot of kids and you have a lot of coordination to do, um, to have a family meeting. You I know? think, yeah, and I think for us, Tom, it's just that we have three weeks before school resumes, so we want to make the best, the most of these three weeks. And Yeah, well, we've got, we want to tell them about our month for greatness, <laughs> right? Uh, we're coming up against a break, but that month for greatness was one of the things that came out of or well, ended up being in relationship to the the family meeting. I actually did it before you got home because I know, it had an so... aspect it had an aspect to it that you never would have agreed to. Uh oh. So what was the contract with the money? Oh yes. So well, you'll have to find out about that in a minute, folks. But um, I, I'm good at putting out the rewards to try to motivate kids to do the things that I know are good for them, but they're not necessarily drawn to. All right, we're up against our break. When we come back. Um, Carrie has a beautiful story to share about happy saddies. I know that might sound kind of cutesy, but it's actually really powerful. And you'll hear it in just a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you. Uh, one last word, Carrie, about those family meetings. We, t- we use a big whiteboard. Um, it's super helpful to have. Or you can use like butcher paper or something that you can put just so that everyone can see. Here's the agenda for the meeting. Here are the things we're going to cover. Um, and so we actually have done a podcast on that. You can go to mycatholicfaith.org and, uh, or our YouTube channel, Tom and Carrie Curran, and you'll see we've done um, multiple podcasts, extensive on um, family meetings. How do you actually have a family meeting? So if you find that something intriguing and you want to learn more, go to mycatholicfaith.org or go to our YouTube channel, Tom and Carrie Curran, um, and you can, you'll find a, a podcast or two or three on that theme explicitly. I think we did that like five years ago, maybe eight years ago. No, it was five years ago, I think, where we we kind of laid it out in extensively. So. Okay, yeah, and just how to have a good one. And it's all by trial and error. I mean, this is not something that we read in a book. Maybe we saw some examples of it, but... And even now, today, it's just kind of thrown together. It's not complicated. There are ways in which you can get through it and reward the kids, but it's so fun for them. Right. The nice thing is that... It's built into them. We've done it for so many years. There's no pushing back and fighting. They just, <laughs> Our bar is really low. We just, well, as long as we're not break out in a big brawl. They just know that it, this is what's going to happen. And so they just, yeah. they come along and they sit down and they enter in. Um, yeah, we set up chores and talk about those and all kinds of things. Okay. But Carrie, you, you took something that we've used in the past, a happy saddie. So describe first of all what that is, what it has been. And then what you did with it that was so powerful. And this was really, I have to say, it was really spontaneous. Like I didn't think of this ahead of time at all. But I wanted to share a saddie and a happy from my trip in, at Franciscan. And I really wanted to share. Like I wanted to actually share like a small group in a household. And they don't, my kids, our kids, don't really do that kind of sharing. Now they share about an event that they went to or they'll share about a, a game they played or a show they watched, or they do a lot of like, wouldn't it be so cool if, so a lot of like imagination conversations of, you know, what happens if we all went to Disneyland and blah, 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 blah. Or imagine if, you know, we had this like sleepover and then we ended up going here. So a lot of like imagination type conversations. Right. But if they're talking about themselves, it's much more like a reporter. They're just reporting like the flow of events. Um, not, and, and if they do share like with energy, it tends to be something that's exciting or funny or dramatic. But the point is, is that they're missing like the interior disclosure, the, the, the deeper, like, here's how I was feeling in the midst of it all. Here's what was going on in my heart. Here are the things that were mapped 
mapping out the inner life of the event that I'm talking about. Yeah, and I don't even I don't even think it dawned on me that this is something that we don't do or that's not part of our conversations because we do affirmations on birthdays and other important days. But this was more I wanted to share with them how I was sad about something that happened at Franciscan. And I really wanted to let them know that it was really hard or made, made me feel sorrowful. And I got teary-eyed and they started giggling and laughing and <laughs> just, you know, being very goofy. And well, mom's, they were uncomfortable. Mom's this crying. This is awkward. really weird. Why is mom crying? Yeah. I'm not going to... Sh- so then I said, now listen, this... And I said kind of what you just said, Tom. I really want you guys to learn to share what's in your heart. I want... And I want our home to be a safe place where you can share something that makes you sad, that you have a longing or a, a um, just an ache for something more or you are really hurting and that you can go to your sisters and brothers and not have them laugh at you. <laughs> they all start laughing at me. <laughs> and that you can feel supported and that, you know, we got you. We'll pray for you. We'll take care of you. We'll um, be here for you. This is a safe place to share because it's really hard at that age. And even I think for even adults to be vulnerable. I mean, what does that word mean to you, Tom? To be vulnerable, because I just I throw that out there. But there's something about it that you should I don't unpack. Yeah, it's actually um, it's very beautifully tied to the concept of truth. One of the one of the words in Greek used for truth is disclosure, the idea of bringing out into the open that which is hidden beneath the surface. And so when you talk about the idea of sharing, you're talking about going in. Side, yes. getting to the heart, oh, the essence, oh, the truth. So there's something about the essence of someone that is hidden until it is unveiled. And when you stop and ask yourself, under what conditions will someone feel safe and invited to share that which they normally would keep hidden, is, well, they want to sense there's acceptance they want to sense that there's space made. They want to sense that when that happens, they themselves are affirmed or that if there was a, a particular need they had that that was being met um, because of how they were related to, right? This, this is not a, an uncommon thing between men and women, husbands and wives, right? Where yes. wives want to share something deeply or they're saying to their husbands, why don't you share more from the heart? Why don't you? And the guy's looking at, wife thinking, I have no idea what you're talking about, right? So you have that cutesy phrase, they're not in touch with their emotions. Why are guys not in touch? I mean, you are, but why is that not a typical guy thing? Yeah. So uh, most guys live outwardly. Most guys live very practically, pragmatically. And if they reflect, they reflect abstractly rather than personally. So they're good about thinking like, very planful thoughts and even visionary thoughts or, or, or influential thoughts versus let me let me allow myself to unveil what is happening inside myself to myself. Let me sit here and await this unfolding of my own inner life to myself. And let me see how that feels. Let me see what stirs up with that. Most guys are just not good at that. We're just not taught that type of, that mode of personal reflection. And I think most women, it's more natural, but not necessarily, I I mean, I know several women that that's not a way in which they're comfortable talking about, or they're even aware that they're not able to share in that way. And then some women are like, please don't share anymore. Just that's too much. (laughs) (laughs) It's too much. So I I was sharing with my kids at this uh, this uh, family meeting, and I got teary-eyed, and the kids got very uncomfortable. But I said to them, I want our home to be a place where you can share, you learn to share. And I said, I'm not going to ask you guys to share right now. Dad's going to go after me, and then we're going to have a a gathering later this week where you're going to share your happy Saturday, and you're going to put some emotion, some feeling, some thought, and you're going to be able to, whatever ability they have to share. I don't even know what ability they have to share. I know which kids are very... I know which kids come to me and can share like their heart and those who you just kind of not, you're not sure what's going on. And that, I know as a mom and as a married couple, I think that's a sadness for us. Well, and Carrie, when, when you say like, what's the big deal, right? What's the big deal here? It, in some ways, what you're talking about is the manifestation 
of the big deal at the goodbyes. Wasn't that the reason why that you shared this as a oh, happy Saturday? You want me to say this? Yeah, okay. I think it's a, that, that, that's the whole sure. point of this. So right? when we walked out at the on Saturday, they had a, a noon mass, and a lot of families are starting to leave slowly but surely, even though it, they had a big dance that night, and they had another gathering, and they had different other events. It just kind of went on and on. Um, there were families that had to drive. Most families drove, came from Kansas, or I think the biggest state was um, Ohio, and then the second state was Virginia. The third largest state at Franciscan is California, which I thought was very shocking. No, maybe it was Michigan and then California. So people were getting ready to go, and this mother and father were tearing up as they said goodbye to their son. And you could just sense the tenderness and the... the Intimacy. Inti- it was the just, vulnerability. I said, so they have hospitality. And so whenever you go in and out of doors, there's always Franciscan kids wearing their blue t-shirt that are there to tell you what to do and where to go and help you. And I stop and I talk to everybody. I, I don't like huge crowds, but I love talking to people one-on-one. I mean, I must have talked to 50, no, 25 kids. Just like, hey, where are you from? What are you studying? What do you like about Franciscan? I just constantly want to talk to people and find out stuff because I'm very curious. So I said, I feel like, I said, look at that family over there. And she goes, I know, that's so sweet. And I go, I feel like we're watching something very vulnerable and private, like it's sacred. And I don't like want to look, but then I can't look away. And she's like, I know it's so sweet. I go, I feel like it's kind of like when you see a guy and a girl kissing and they're making out, you're not supposed to be watching him. <laughs> you're like curious. <laughs> she looked at me like, I go, it's okay, I'm married. <laughs> she's like, okay. <laughs> and so they were um, just sharing this intimate moment. And then I see it again. We came to her, Mary Catherine's dorm and this mother's just bawling and she's giving her son like this package and this mo- memento and he's crying. And I'm just like, are you kidding? And so I'm like, okay, well, so then it's my, my turn to say goodbye to Mary Catherine. And it was like, okay, well, mom, I'm tired. I want to go to bed. I go, wait, don't like, I get to pray over you. And I'm like, so I just said, well, let me just at least pray over you. And then of course, you know, she's me hugging all that, but there's no tears. There's no like, I'm so sorry that, you know, I'm not so sorry. I'm so happy for you. But, the, you know, there wasn't all that emotion with shared with her. I mean, I felt that way later and I did cry later, but I did share with her, you know, how proud we were, but I felt like it was too quick, too fast. I want to write this out in a letter or something. But I told the kids at our family meeting, I'm just like sad that Mary Catherine and I weren't having like this just like emotional bond this of, moment. I'm going to miss you so much and, uh, and all this other stuff. She's like, mom, I'm just really tired and my stomach hurts and I need to lay down. Yeah, <laughs> I was goodbye, like, mom. goodbye, I'm, mom. I'm fine. You'll be fine. Let's go. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh, it's all right. I mean, everyone's at a different place. So all right, we're up against a break. And when we come back, we'll pick up on this theme a little bit. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Carnum, uh, joined today by my wife, Carrie, on this. Typically, you'll join me on Fridays, Carrie, but I'm really happy you're here on Wednesday. Uh, and uh, I do want to encourage you, go to our new website if you haven't been there, mycatholicfaith.org. Go to the website. You'll see um, free digital download resources. Just uh, give us a, an email address to send them to, and you'll get um, free resources every month. Carrie, this, re- this month, the free resource is my book on marriage, A Gift from God. Did you know that? No, I didn't. Remember I wrote that book and never published it because I never felt comfortable releasing it because I felt like it was the magnum opus, the most important work, because it was the gift message. And when I went back and read it, um, like, I don't know, like six months ago, I was like, hey, this is pretty good. (laughs) I should release this. You can update it with new stories. Well, and (laughs) Now that we've been through teenage years. We've been through a lot, I know, but... The that that's volume two, right? I'll be kind of like a Father Spitzer, crank out a few volumes on this. Sure. Um, but it, that book is available as a free download, and we also have other talks associated with it on audio and video, um, and they're all free, 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 free. Free is good. Uh, MyCatholicFaith.org. You can get free digital downloads, and you also will see right there on that page the ability to get connected to these other platforms where. Um, I'm speaking, teaching, and sharing. So there's a link to the Apple podcast right there. Super simple. Uh, We renamed it the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. So it's easier to find on Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe. Super simple. Or just listen to the programs. If you enjoy these programs, you can listen there. But also there are links to the Facebook page, I Love My Catholic Faith, where I pray the rosary in an interactive way so that you can share in that blessing 
and to the YouTube channel, the, uh, the Tom and Carrie Curran YouTube channel. If you subscribe to that as we upload new content, you'll get notifications and, uh, and continue to be blessed in the ways that we're growing um, the, the offerings, these free offerings to help you live your life of faith. So, uh, Carrie, you were talking just beforehand about Happy Saddies as part of our family meeting. Um, and you, one of the things you've mentioned were these households. Uh, do you want to just finish up something about the girls' households real quick, and then we'll go back to oh, the Oh, I was meeting. laughing because the, the names of the girls' households are things like, see, they have Rosa Mystica. I'm not sure. That's Mystical Rose. That's the okay. title of the Blessed Mother. Roses of the Immaculate Heart. Mary, Spouse of the Spirit. Metanoia et Missa. Is that right? Love of the Lamb. Madonna of the Streets. Gaudete en Via Crucis. Joy. Rejoice in the way of the cross. Oh, Here, it? you want to join that one? <laughs> Rejoice. Not. That is one I'm like, my good. Hey, you have to use a Latin phrase to kind of the, cover over what they're up, up to. Daughters of Divine Mercy. They're just sweet. Um, they're just really sweet. So Mary Catherine, she's looking at them, and I will let you know what one, which one she joins. But um, just back to the happy Saturday. Then I think I shared about how grateful we were for Mary Catherine, and you know that we're going to miss her, but we're so happy that she's been graduated from our home. And there is just this absence that you feel when she's gone because she has a a lot of charisma. Um, but I did say to the kids, now your guys, and then you shared, Tom, I had you share in a more sharing way. And then I said to the kids, we're going to have a gathering in a couple days. And I would like you guys to share something more heartfelt. And I don't even know how it's going to work. Like what happens if they all start laughing and someone shares something and their feelings get hurt. And I don't know, it'd be interesting, but I feel like this is so important for not married life, but just for growing as men and women, for for growing in intimacy, for seeking relationships of others that a person has depth, that they have an awareness of what's going on inside of them. Because in our culture today with technology and all things dig- digital and the, the pace of life, you can get disattached or unintouched or you don't understand what's going on inside and you're not, not able to articulate it or um, pray about it or reflect on it. And I just feel like this is a crucial um, skill, tool that people it's need. It's part that, of human formation. Yes. Right? So if we really want to be formed as human beings, and we want to form our kids to be human beings, like you and I were both very blessed. We didn't have perfect upbringings at all, lots of brokenness, but I had all those years in the seminary and then those two years in the men's household that formed me in like learning to get in touch with the spirit inside of me, learning to listen interiorly, yes. right? Developing a contemplative attitude. Um, and then we, we've we tried to create the groundwork, right? With the quiet times and the other things that we've done. But in other ways, we haven't. We haven't done a lot of um, like, let me share with you my inner thoughts i mean what's happening in my heart tom we do have um like we meet with the kids but it's more practical like what goal are you working on and what are you doing with you know academics or what is your sport but to actually share with your siblings like heartfelt no well siblings for them to share with each other they're going to share with each other to be able to to be vulnerable and and to actually name what's going on inside well, let's I just look, let's cut to the chase, right? So let's just say for our daughters or our sons, when they get to that stage where they're going to look for a spouse, one of the things that we want our kids to do is to know how to share and know how to create conditions so that their potential future spouse or future spouse will be able to share. And so that that's where communion is going to go deeper, Right, they'll they'll be able to discern more clearly. Like, is this person a good fit? Because I have the ability to sense what's happening in their heart as they bring it out into the open, and I myself will be able to share what's in my heart. Because, as you know, in marriage, that theme of complementarity, right, where you're drawn to your opposite, is a very powerful thing that can lead to great richness. It's also a very divisive thing that can lead to isolation and very hard marriages. And so, um, you know, sometimes it's, again, it's those opposites attract, but boy, you want those opposites to also lead to richness. And so I just think about that. I think about the, the ability to give affection and show affection, right? So 
we we who have lived more at the practical pragmatic level together as a family we just haven't been as good about giving and receiving affection especially with our kids and we can see that reflected in some of how our kids relate um, to other kids and so or relate to us yes and so it's something that it's like you know what as parents we're called to help form them <laughs> where's the book at a human level. where's the guide why didn't right. they give us any kind of yeah. like we've been married all these years with kids and this is the first time where i'm like oh we actually don't have a way in which our kids share what's going on in their heart i mean the, the two sisters might talk or the boys i don't think they talk about that stuff um and the older you get the more it's I think you're aware, more aware of what's going on. And so it's easier, it's more natural, or it's something you long for. But when you're in the younger years, you don't really think about it in that way. So it'll be interesting to see how that unfolds. I don't, I have no idea. Well, I, I'm reading this book, Who is Man? Again, by Abraham Heschel. <laughs> and it's such a profound book. And he talks about the fact that today, in an age that focuses so much on science as a source of understanding, can bring out valuable insights and information about the human condition and about human actions and behaviors. And we might settle for speaking in terms of factual descriptions. But he said, if you get at what is the humanness of being human, you're talking about the life of the heart where a person is looking up upon the world based on like how they're at with themselves, how they're at with things happening in their world, recognizing what's at stake in this moment, raising questions, facing moments of suffering, all of these different things. He said all of those things impact how a person sees the world, how they're relating to the world, how they're, how they're um, engaging with the world. And it's like the inner landscape is the one where we want our kids to become familiar with, to be able to navigate and be aware of how their inner landscape and the situations around them are fundamentally impacting how they're living in the world. That is so fascinating. I mean, it's very philosophical, but I wonder practically how you how you present that, how you grow in that. Uh, you know what? I Well, we're going to find out because it's a bit of a journey here. Um, he stays at that more philosophical level. It's like poetic and spiritual, but it's um, he doesn't give like lots of practical things. He does talk a lot in there about what I've shared with you so many times, the difference between the scientific mindset, which is stand apart and look at, versus the what he calls the um, approach of appreciation, where you're present to and you allow and await the unfolding from the other. That's that contemplative attitude. Okay. He puts a tremendous emphasis on fostering the contemplative approach of appreciation in human relationships and in someone's approach to the whole world. So I, I think that's one of the reasons why I value so much not just quiet times and, and that contemplative attitude, but adoration. Well, I think you just can miss it in today's world, Tom. I think you can just get so distracted. And I know we, we say this a lot. We live on the surface, Carrie. We live on the surface it's, of intensity. And intensity this, on the surface, and we miss the profundity of the depths. I mean, but it is intense on the surface, and it can keep one so razzled and dazzled and distracted. frazzled? Frazzled, all of that. It's like, it's, too, it's almost like too late. Like, wait, what? What did I miss? Why? Why didn't anyone tell me? Just put well, my phone again, away the, for the a phone year. Phone and videos—they all <laughs> sneak up on them us, away for right? A month. And kids don't know what to do when they don't have, or parents don't know what to do when they don't have their phone and their yet, video. And that's a great sadness. Created for so much more. Well, I think yeah. we should talk about that month of greatness on Friday. Yeah, we'll have to hold off on that, <laughs> and we can report in on how it's going. <laughs> Thanks, Carrie, for being with me. Thank you all for listening. God bless you. Join me tomorrow for more sound insight.